Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. 103.7 Lafayette, one zero four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. You can watch us on the simulcast, Stadium 32.3 or 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111 on this glorious Wednesday morning. I told you all about this Royals outfit. I, I, I can't explain it. The Astros really struggled to get the Royals out. Now, understand, this is one of the worst offensive teams in baseball. 27th in the league in runs scored. Not a good offensive team. But when they play the Astros, they just, they just it looks easy for them. They just hit and hit and hit and hit. And it's, it's unbelievable how that stuff happens. And part of it is... Um, it's baseball. There's just certain teams that match up better with other teams, and sometimes there's no real logical explanation. My working theory, as I said yesterday, is most teams are trying to pound the ball right now. Now, this cat, backup catcher for the Royals, has hit three home runs in two games in this series, and he's got the most uppercut, crazy swing. I I don't know. I don't know if you've seen this cat swing, but he he swings really strange. Melendez. He swings. I mean, you want to talk about uppercut swing on steroids is what he's got. But they just, Whit Merrifield just owns the Astros. I mean, it's just, they can't get these cats out. Can't get them out. But um, even though they're not a good offensive team, They've scored 13 runs in two games. Fortunately, the Astros have scored, what, seven and nine, 16 runs in two games and won both games. I mean, it's uh, it's been a struggle. They, you know, most over the most of the, of the last three weeks, teams were lucky to get five hits against the Astros. But the Royals come to town, it just, it's just hits all over the ballpark. From the first pitch on, they just keep hitting. It's unbelievable. But the bottom line is they got two wins. So that is nice. Hopefully they can figure out how to get some of these guys out. I don't know. They they got – it's hard to know to judge a young player. But they got this young Italian first baseman. Man, it looks like he's going to be good to me. We'll see. I mean, obviously, he's just been up like a week or a week and a half or something. Who knows what he's going to do in his career? I don't know. There's just something about the way he stands and he swings makes me think he's got a chance. So we'll see what he does. And obviously, we know Bobby Witt is going to be good. It looks like he's going to be really good anyway. And we already know Witt and Merrifield's have a little bit of a down years, but, man, is he on the Astros. He's not doing that. Usually he does it against a lot of teams. He's not really having that good a year. You put – they – these cats can't wait to play the Astros. <laughs> I mean, I'm not talking about the pitchers. I'm talking about the hitters for the Raw. They just can't wait to play the Astros. Just crush them. But um, we'll see um, how it plays out tonight and then tomorrow afternoon. Uh, I think it's kind of funny. I, I love when the elitist um, 
in in the sport of baseball, the people who think that the whole league is just about the Red Sox and the Yankees and the ESPN divisions. I I love when they um when they, you know, when they get black eyes. Like, you know, everything's about the AL East, right? Well, the mighty Blue Jays who started to get hot and they go out to Oakland, who's arguably the worst team in baseball, and they're now 0-2. I mentioned it yesterday. Manoa got hit hard, and and and, and he's an elite pitcher or, or on the verge of being an elite pitcher. He's really good. Um, and the A's roughed him up, and then the, um, the A's beat him again last night. Not as easy as it looks, is it? To go out to Oakland, awful place to play baseball, awful stadium, awful city. Everything about it is awful. It's Oakland. Almost everything that's evil that is evil in sports has come out of that bay. It's either from the cheaters, the Raiders before they moved to Las Vegas. It's just the evil. So, um, not as easy as it looks. Getting Elvis Andrus out certainly isn't easy to get. I mean, that is not easy at all. But that's funny. Uh, and again, I, I got a good chuckle last night because one of these national guys were like, man, the Braves are only two and a half out. A month ago, they were 10 and a half out. We thought the division was over. <laughs> you idiots. Have you ever been through a baseball season before? It's unbelievable. Now, that doesn't mean the Mets can't win the division. Just saying it wasn't over. It was never what is what is 10 out in May or June? 10 out in June is nothing. Nothing. It can be overcome. If you're good, it can be overcome. I told y'all, I've been telling y'all all season, don't sleep on Hannah's Mariners. They won again yesterday. They're only three and a half out of the playoffs. And these people that think that the, 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 the whole American League playoffs going to be nothing but the ESPN division. Everybody's going to make the playoffs. Not saying it's not possible. I'm just saying this idea that the, the, the race is over, we already know who's in the playoffs in the American League, is stupid. It's just foolish. It's elitist garbage is what it is. The Mariners are three and a half out of the playoffs. We're only halfway through the season. The White Sox are two and a half out of the playoffs. No, four and a half. The Guardians are two and a half. So you got three teams within five games, and none of them have played well in the first half. At least the White White Sox and the Mariners have way underachieved in the first half. They have a whole half a season left. And these people just... It's a football comment is what that is. This is baseball. This isn't football. That's a football comment. Crazy. By the way, it's real tempting. It was really tempting. But Hannah, for whatever reason, she hates these. So it was real tempting to make this yet another Josh Fields Appreciation Day today. (laughs) Anna hates Josh Fields' appreciation day. But, you know, El, El Pedro Grande, he hit a home run last night, but that's not why I considered. We, we, we're gonna, Look, 
if he's going to have an MVP-type season, which is what he's had so far, again, it's just halfway through the season, we're gonna ha- we can't make every day a Josh Field appreciation day. But last night, he did something very unique. He threw a guy out at the plate when it looked like the Astros were in trouble of forfeiting the lead. Like, you know, it was 9-6, to six and then they in a Bray, well... Bray, you didn't pitch well, but Altuve and them, they should have turned a double play, and they didn't, and they didn't, and they challenged both of them, and they were safe all around. So they were on the verge of, of trying to make a comeback. You know, this real powerful offensive juggernaut that we call the Kansas City Royals that the Astros can't get out. Um, and it, it, it's 9-7, to seven, and the bases are loaded. And they hit a fly ball to left, and it was pretty deep. This was not a shallow fly ball. I mean, pretty much everybody said, well, that's a run. That's a run. It's 9-8 now. Well, he throws it on the fly, no bounce, from pretty deep left field and, and, and guns the cat out at the plate to inning, inning, double play. And the Astros are able to preserve a nine to seven win. It should have been nine to eight tying run on second base. Really, what it what it should have been. And El Pedro Grande. What if Josh Fields could have thrown that cat out from left from that spot in left field? And he was a pitcher. I wonder if he could have. El Pedro Grande. Look, you know me. I'm not for individual awards. I'm not. I don't like them at all. But last night, for the first time this year, they started the MVP chance. You know, I, I didn't like it with Bregman. I didn't like it with Altuve. I try not to pay attention to that because I know they mean well. They're just pulling for their guy. They just don't understand that you don't want that stuff. You want your guys to be hungry. You want your guys to to be feel spurned. Ah. Oh. All they care about is the the Yankees and the Red Sox and the for whatever reason the little MVPs they care about the little MVPs. Let the little MVPs win all the little MVPs. Let them win all the little MVPs. You want your players to feel cheated and spurned so they're constantly striving to get better. You don't want them to be, you know, going to MVP banquets. Oh, I'm the MVP. You don't want all that garbage. That ain't good. That is what leads to bad stuff. You don't want your play. And so I don't want El Pedro Grande. I don't mind him being in the MVP discussion because he's that means he's had a great, he's having a great year, and he's having a great year. But you don't want him to win it. People look at that wrong. It's about the team. It's not about the individual. I want him to make money. He just signed a big contract. I want him to make money and have a successful life. But I don't want him winning any MVPs. All that does is decrease his fight. Unless he's just totally mentally stronger than just about every other athlete, which you don't get a whole lot. You don't want to win MVP. So I don't want to – it's going to aggravate me. as this. If he continues to do what he's doing – it's this all this MVP stuff is gonna aggravate me, but I understand why they're doing it. Um, I want him to. I want him to feel. I hope he has an MVP season and he finishes third. And everybody says, "Oh, it's just because they hate." I'm all. That's, that's good. That's what you want. You want him to keep working harder, 
Not to feel like he's reached a mountaintop. It's amazing how people don't get that. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. El Pedro Grande. Man, that dude's something else. Oh, huh? is he? Is he good? Oh, man. And, he, and he's a better baseball player than most of us or any of us realize. Like, you know, it wasn't on the money, but he threw it in, in, on the fly to from pretty deep left field. And, 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 and he runs the bases better than a guy you would think his size. He reads and, the ball well. Like, he, 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 he reads balls well when he's on second base. He knows when to get to first and third. He's not lightning fast, but he's not a bad base runner. I, and, I'm, and, I'm impressed with him. Don't for, and don't forget, this is a guy that, that just had a, a mild concussion this a few days ago, you know? I mean, exactly. The man's superhuman, man. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say, the guy's a better baseball player than Glassman, uh, Aaron Judge, man. You know, and you know what I was thinking. I know, I don't know if you follow, you know, the home run derby for the for the All Star game or whatnot. Foot, but you know, it'd be just simply amazing if a Pedro Grande and Aaron Judge enter the home run derby. And it's those two in the finals, and El Pedro beats the snot out that dude in the finals. Huh? I, I, I what a tr- glorious day that would be. Huh? I try to huh? watch. I I try to watch the home run derby every year, but I hope there's no Astros in it. No. Now, he, he probably will be in it if he wants. I hope he declines. I don't want any part of any Astro in a home run derby. But, you know, I'll, I um, I think he's more of a baseball player than a home run derby guy, but we'll see. We'll, 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 I'm sure yeah. he'll, they'll invite him for sure. I can, I can understand that because you just, I mean. I don't uh, want to mess with you're that. You're just increasing them. Oh, they're, they're, yeah. You know, the possibility of them getting injured and all that. Oh, kind of. I don't but want no part of that. But it's a glorious day. My Red Sox lost. But I still like to, you know, I mean, you, I mean, you can't win them all. But you learn from your, 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 your losses and you move forward. But what makes it even better is the darn Yankees lost to the Pittsburgh Pirates, <laughs> man. Is that the beautiful? Pittsburgh... Wait, say that again. I said that's beautiful. That's beautiful, yeah, because Miguez and Mesh were giving me a hard time because my, my, my Red Sox lost to the Cubs. But how much better are the Cubs than the, than the Pirates, man? You know? They're about the same right now. And by the way, I just want to thank you before we go to a break. You know how the Astros acquired Josh Fields? From, from, from the, the Red Sox, Sox. Uh, they traded. They got they got Josh Fields in a trade with the Red Sox, and uh, and were able to trade him one day for some cat named Yordan Alvarez, and no one knew anything about him. And now the cat is El Pedro Grande MVP candidate. So thank you, gotta, you to the Red Sox. You got you you got to roll your tongue when you say it. El Pedro Grande. El Pedro Grande. Work on that yes. Okay. <laughs> Have a good one. Take Fred. care. Go Red Sox. All right. Gotta love Josh Fields' appreciation day. <laughs> and I hate it. Your Mariners won. Why you gotta hate Josh Fields' appreciation day? Because I don't think there's a point in it. Oh, no, there's a point. Oh, no, there's a point. There's a point. Never you gotta understand, her. most of my life, all the old timers, I still hear it every once in a while. All the Astros, they traded. The Astros in like 1971 or two, whenever that was, they made this giant trade with the Reds, and they traded Cesar Geronimo and Joe Morgan, and they made this huge trade, and the, the those players that they traded to the Reds became help, you know, Jack Billingham, and uh, there was one other one. They became part of the Big Red Machine that won the World Series in 75 uh, and 76, so... 
Um, all, right, all the Astros, they just trade away all their good players. So now that I'm on the other side of this, after hearing that stuff my whole life, uh, and they've made the Larry Anderson trade for Jeff Bagwell and now the Josh Fields for El Pedro, you got to relish it. You got to enjoy it. So that's all I'm doing. I'm enjoying being on this side of the fence. Don't hate Josh Fields Appreciation Day. Embrace it. Embrace it. Okay. And by the way, thank you for giving Rafael Montero Montero, because he's doing pretty good for the Astros. I appreciate that trade as well. All right. Have too much fun in that first segment. We got to go to a timeout. When we come back, we'll shift gears, talk some LSU. Sports. With an old friend, William Weathers, we'll do that next on The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Do your loved ones run for cover when watching a game with you? Then Footnotes is the show for you. Time for more Footnotes on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Live at 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Speaking of the Houston Astros, if you have not registered for the game clubhouse, you need to do so so you could be eligible for Astro giveaway number three. Saturday, July the 30th, Mariners will be in in Houston. Take on the Astros. You could win four tickets to that game as well as hotel accommodations as well as a tour of Minute Maid Park. It's part of Astro Giveaway 3, but you can't do it if you're not part of the game clubhouse. So go register today. Astro Weekend Getaways powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian, Houston Downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. All right, we have with us now an old friend, William Weathers of Tiger Rag. How are you, sir? Doing good, sir. How are you? Oh, Astros are riding an eight-game winning streak, so pretty good. <laughs> I know they get much better than that for you. You you know how that goes. Um, you know how that goes. All right. So we've got uh, before we get to something else. I I, I wanted to um, uh, you know we're gonna our weekly conversation. Cokie's uh, on vacation, and uh, that that's that happens this time of the year. So let's start with LSU football recruiting. And when when they hired Kelly, I think you know LSU's been recruiting nationally for a long time. But is it is this like a do you get the sense that with Kelly and 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 his coaching staff, it's gonna kind of be like almost a different level of or at least a new level of recruiting nationally? Yeah, just because of the back just because of the background of some of his assistants. Uh, you know, Brian Brian Polian, uh recruiting coordinator, has has you know had made many stops uh, as an assistant and he's a, he was a head coach in Nevada. Uh, and I guess in the bloodlines of his dad, Bill Polian is just a tremendous, you know, talent evaluator. And I just think they're going to be uh, in more places on, on, you know, th- that four and five star type kid. And then you look at the example of what defensive line, Jamar Kane, uh, coach Jamar Kane did this past week. And, and you, and you hear about his reputation as a, as an elite recruiter when he was at Oklahoma, 
and he was on, you know, he was recruiting a lot of these same kids, and now he's at L, he's at LSU. He feels like he's got more to offer. Uh, of course, he was here before. Uh, you know, Oklahoma is coming to the SEC in a couple of years, but he just felt like he's got more resources, he's got more prestige. Uh, the, the, the there's there is a defensive line tradition of, of guys going into the pros and, and having uh, outstanding careers. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I should say I'm not surprised. Uh, it just took a while because you know this staff, you know, collectively wasn't really in place until after the you know after January. So it takes time to. It's an all about you know relationship developing uh, business, and it takes a while to kind of to to, to sow those seeds and. And now, you know, the official visits finally kind of took place, and in, in, you know, as far as the majority of them are, are taking place in the summer, like in the month of June. And the result is what you saw last weekend, which was, you know, five commitments. So do, so do you feel like there were a lot of early fears about who, who was let go and who wasn't? you think all of that is behind them, or there's still a lot to prove? I'm sure – because of the loyalty to Corey Raymond and the and the product, you know, for, you know the the origin of, of DBU and and the, and the caliber of kids that came through here, it'll probably take some time uh, for people to see if Robert Steeples uh, is the guy in in the secondary, and, and and to recruit at that level, you know, quite frankly, you know, they they thought they got their first cornerback, well, second cornerback committed this past weekend, and he's a kid that came to camp and had to kind of prove himself. You know they haven't gotten that elite corner yet, so no, I'm sure. I'm sure in in in, in, the, in the defensive secondary, it'll, it'll probably be kind of a what have you done for me lately? Where Jamar Kane is coming in with a proven is a proven commodity and he's already delivered. Do you feel like is it too early to know, or do you feel like the kind of player they're going after? I'm not talking about the ranking, but the way that they play football is going to be a little different. Are they recruiting in any areas a little differently than LSU recruited in the past? Well, of the you know the eleven commitments, I think if I come back and look, I think nine are on defense. So we really you know we haven't seen what you know what their offense is going to look like and, and what they're going to tailor. A type of kid, too, meaning like Trey Holly is a, you know by my measurables is an undersized running back. You know, he's he's under he's you know five seven five eight. But he's been obviously tremendously uh, productive at Union Parish. Um, Caleb Jackson from here in Liberty uh, Magnet in Baton Rouge is right at six foot, and and they're in pretty good shape with him. My, there's an example right there that you know maybe they want they don't want the real big tall running back you know six two with you know two twenty. Does that mean they don't want them, or they just in this class they don't feel like they can address that need? And you know they've kind of still waiting on the quarterback uh, if they're going to bring one in. And you know, what is that going to look like? You know, is that some guy is going to be a dual threat? You know, like similar to Walker Howard, who can who can obviously can move out the pocket and and and, and create create you know plays on, on with his feet as much as having a strong arm. So I think it remains to be seen on the offensive side. You know, they you know haven't. You know, LSU recruited a little bit in the Midwest for offensive linemen, but that I think that this this example in defense was was now they're looking at more in the Midwest. You know, because Louisiana is not producing in numbers that that type of kid this year. So um, we still have. I guess it remains to be seen. You know, like they want smaller, undersized linebackers who can run. You know, we don't. We again that we'll have to we'll have to wait and see uh, as an example. So. Uh, 
I, I think they're just kind of they're they're getting the best available kids right now, and and what their system looks like. I guess they'll re- they will recruit to that more in twenty twenty four. So you know, in terms of the two teams we follow the most, uh, LSU and the Cajuns. For the last decade, there's been a few highlights on the LSU side, obviously, because they had such a great offense. But tight end, for the most part, of these two schools, with a few exceptions, has been not a, not what tight ends are from around the country. So how do you think tight end will, um, will be about the same, or do you think tight end offensive production will increase under Coach Kelly? I think there's, there's a – you know, again – the the spring practice, spring training is is not a really good indication, but um, the the ending the what you hear in, in discussions with Coach Denbrock and I think Coach Kelly is that I think the uh, the tight end will be a, a tremendous weapon in their offense going forward. They are a little under they're a little under in terms of where they probably are in a roster for this season. Um, Mac Marquay is one of the top tight ends who's already committed on board from St. They go to St. Louis to find him, but uh, I think I think you know it'll be like you know Foster Moreau did not have a, a what you'd call a great college career, but was a tremendous athlete and has, has had a really long career with you know now with the Raiders and the NFL. I can see them wanting to get a guy, and I haven't looked at Notre Dame stats, but I, I can see them wanting to get a guy who can probably feed it to him, you know, twenty five, thirty five times. And obviously, be uh, a, an asset as an inline blocker as well. So they they will definitely value the tight end in this offense. Again, we're speaking with William Weathers from Tiger Rag. So on the baseball side of things, you know, baseball is just so different than football. And you know, whether it's the Tigers or the Cajuns or whatever, you hear you hear all these transfers. And I guess the optimistic. Uh, fan, every time you get a transfer in, you think that it's going to work out great, but it doesn't always work out that way. But do you have a, a good feeling that there's a better than average chance that the majority of the transfers that LSU got in are going to work out, or how do you kind of see it? Yeah, I mean, the you know, they, they got six, six guys who, who were signed. I think they've got to sweat one of them out with the draft, but I mean, to me, if you, you've transfer you're probably wanting to come and play and improve yourself there's a lot of guys who have got the something to prove uh not tommy harris would not be one of them because he had was he had a tremendous season at nc state and will give them that big bat uh losing jacob berry that he can however they set the lineup up with Cruz. that tommy tommy harris will, will be a big stick and you know troy morgan etc the other guys to me no, no one, you know, had just uh, now. Dylan T. Break from Creighton would be the one guy who's, who's, you know, he's the conference pitcher of the year at Creighton, and they've got a, he's a draft eligible. So I'm, I'm interested to see, but he's, he's got the, he's, I think he's the most proven uh, guy at his position that of need, you know, meaning a power arm, you know, ninety, you know, two mile an hour guy that, you know, they didn't have that that traditional Friday night starter this past season. Uh, he would be that guy. So. With all the talk about everything going on in the world of college athletics, which for us old people is it's kind of hard to digest sometimes, have you even had time to think about, like, what does this mean for baseball? Like, it's going to be – like, if they really do add, like a lot of people are speculating, Miami and Florida State, and we already know Texas and Oklahoma are coming, like, baseball-wise, it's going to be better than football. 
You're exactly right. <laughs> I mean, I try not to think in those think in those terms because uh, it hasn't happened yet, but um, or it's still you know several years away. And you just had you know four four teams from the SEC West get to the College World Series and one of them win it, and you might be better in two years collectively. Um, the conference tournament, just thinking how that's going to be when you add two teams of those calibers, and as you mentioned, uh, what what is the future look like for, for Florida State, Miami, and, and a Clemson. Or even a Georgia Tech. I mean, that's a good baseball school, too. I mean, year, many years ago, before our time, they were in the SEC. So, uh, right. uh, you know, I, you know, it's not really known as a football school, but it's a good baseball program, historically. Yeah, it, it's it, – it, I mean, I don't know if, if this is over with. I'm sure it's not over with long-term, but for the, for the most part um, – you know, our, our columnist Glenn Gilbo uh, wrote. You know, what about Notre Dame to the SEC? You know, they've they've been obviously been in the, in a Big Ten footprint. They've never ever kind of crossed that line to to go because they've 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 always been you know happy as an independent and had the flexibility in their football schedule. But you know, they've they've competed in the ACC and everything else. You know, but would they want to challenge themselves to the highest level possibly? And you know, he, that, again, this is his theories. Like you know, he, he could see them. Can you imagine them coming to the to the SEC one day uh, and just you know, you know, further you know, uh, elevating the profile of, of the of the league? Well, unfortunately, that in college athletics these days, when you start the sentence out, can you imagine? The answer is pretty much yes, because all tradition is gone. Everything, you know, everything like it's been for the last 50 or 60 years is really gone. Like, wh- what else could we not imagine? Like, what else is even, what is unimaginable now in college athletics? <laughs> yeah, I would never have thought, you know, Tim Mulkey would be coaching at LSU as a perfect example. Um, that was the furthest thing from my mind. It, it, it it's just it's just craziness. All right, before I let you go, uh, we've got a uh, each summer been doing it for decades. What we call the footnote summer project, and we're doing heartbreaking losses. College basketball this week. So, if if I was gonna ask you in terms of LSU and also the Cajuns, because I know you know a lot about Cajun basketball history as well. <laughs> Give me one or two on each side, memorable, heartbreaking losses for LSU basketball and Cajun basketball. Well, I don't have the, the depth uh, of growing up with, with LSU sports uh, as a kid that I did around the Cajuns and then obviously working there, uh, going to school there in the eighties. The but, um, I would say for, for Cajuns basketball, um, there were a lot of a lot of close. You know, I would say that there's there's the the, the, the loss in New Mexico State in 1992 with a, I thought a legitimate chance to get to the Sweet 16. You know, they had beaten Oklahoma. I guess that was Byron Starks and Eric Mouton's team, and uh, you just and Marcus Stokes. You know, uh, played you know played hard uh, for Coach Fletcher, and you you really thought that there was a chance here. And that was a great kind of a back and forth game, and I mean, I was always looking ahead, you know, like man, Sweet Sixteen, the Cajuns, you know, could it possibly be? And yeah, they were going to uh, play UCLA, and they got cheated in that game. They, New Mexico yeah, State they, shot like yeah, thirty-seven free throws to like four. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you, your your memory is incredible. I, I I just remember the the little bit, just the that 
program being in that position and obviously not being back in that position, you know, in, in what, 30 years now. Right, so correct. That, that, so you want to, when you get there, you know, it's, it's great to try to take advantage of those opportunities. And, you know, they could, I mean, they were good enough to have won that game. And as you said, could have moved on to play uh, like in UCLA. Um, the Tigers, I don't really, you know, my my time around the, the program has been more around um, as a journalist and, and don't quite have those same type of feelings where, you know, you're, you're covering a team and, um, you know, you're not as affected because you, you're, you're doing a job and, and all that. So I don't, I don't really have anything that uh, comes to mind that, um, you know, they, they lost, I mean, this year they lost three times to Arkansas. Uh, it's just, you know, all fairly good games, but uh, no, I don't, I don't have a specific one for, for the Cajun. I mean, for the, for the Tigers as I do the Cajun, because I grew up in Lafayette, grew up, you know, at least watching the program. And then obviously they're working uh, at, in sports information and, and at, 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 at the daily advertising during that time with you. All righty, sir. Well, I appreciate your time very much. And um, it's going to, I'm trying to, pu- I don't know about you, but I try to push off football season as much as possible because the minute it starts, it's like nine or 10 months of just, you know, nonstop stuff. So, but it's coming. It's at the end of the month. I don't know how you do it with, with your body clock as far as, and I haven't looked at the schedule, but when you have to, you have games that on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, or Thursdays, I have no idea how you keep up with all that. And, and just trying to your your schedule it's crazy you know you we're pretty much you know, whatever most schools it's every Saturday we we can book on that so I have no idea how you do that well it it, it, it it's certainly been interesting for sure I guess though when you get old that it, a, a new way of doing things I guess it kind of adds a little spice to it but thank you very much for your time sir Th- take care you have a good day all right William Weathers been knowing William for a long long time like uh, I don't know 40 years or something um William a lot of people William I, I we we've have a fantasy baseball league called the SOBL the Sons of Baseball League William was the original commissioner way back in 1986 it's uh yes go back a, a long long way Appreciate William coming on. All right. Uh, no, that New Mexico State game is a good one. Cajuns had beaten Oklahoma. Uh, they had a, New Mexico State had a guard named Sam Crawford who was a good player, and the officials just took over that game. I don't know. I'd have to look it up, but it was something like they shot like 36, 37 free throws, and the Cajuns shot like four, five, or six or something. It was, it was, it was, it was awful. They got cheated, no question in that game all right we'll take a time out come back with more we'll mention a few more of those games the new mexico state game is a goodie and he's right it's 30 years ago we'll be back on the game 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana sports station your home for the lsu tigers and houston astros Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on The Game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. I want to tell you. The game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles would like to hook you up with a new Apple Watch. All you have to do to win is join our brand new text club. 
All you got to do is simply text GAME, G-A-M-E, to 337-288-8100, 288-8100. Text GAME to that number. It puts you eligible to win an Apple Watch, as well as a ton of other prizes, including Astro tickets and more. It's the Game Text Club. Find out more by going to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. All right. Need college basketball fans, Cajuns and LSU, and we've got, um, you know, we, we've only got two more days, so we've got to come up with this list to come up with a top ten, and, you know, of course I could do it, but that's just not a, 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 as much fun. You know, Cajun basketball, I, there are certain games, like I can remember playing Stetson, and I have to go back and look at the year, but this was, it was probably 83 or 84. Cajuns had a nice little rivalry with Stetson because Coach Pascal played there, and they played him for years. And I can remember a game where they're playing Stetson at home. Cajuns are struggling. They had a guard named George or Jorge Fernandez, good player, George Almonds, it was George Almonds, so it was probably 80, I don't know, I'm guessing 84, but it could be 83, 84, 85, somewhere in that, probably not 85. But anyway, um, George Almonds is going in the lane. George Almonds was a great athlete, wide receiver at, uh, was it Kathleen High School in, in Lakeland, Florida? Um, probably played the wrong sport. Could not shoot a lick. He shot his free throws with one hand. Anyway, not a good shooter, but a great athlete. And Cajuns recruited him, and he was there. And he drove into the lane, and he got George Fernandez grabbed his arm and pulled it down, and there was no call. And in those days, we tried to sit at Blackham Coliseum. You had these... um, I don't know. They were probably, it went like these bleachers, like, I don't know, six rolls or something high. And we would always try to sit behind the visitor's bench in one of those bleachers. We weren't supposed to because we were, I was just in high school then. But, um, and I'm fat now, but I was real skinny back then. Like when I graduated high school, I weighed like 125 pounds or something. Real, really, really short, thin. Um, you know, I never had any athletic ability. But anyway. That night, when when they didn't call that foul, somehow, I mean, they say I leap like five rows, but I don't have the athletic ability to leap to jump five rows. Plus, there was a bunch of people in front of me. Somehow, before I knew it, I was on the court, running towards the court, and they claimed the the, the security guard kind of went for his gun there. They're like, what were you doing? I I don't know what I was going to do. But... Back then, I uh, I had a tra- I had a a, a a a strategy. My strategy was I would go on the floor, and you couldn't get away with that with this now because there's too much security and everything. But back then was I'd end up on the floor some kind of way, and what I would do was I'd go stand right behind the the um the uh, the person who was doing the book because when the re- when the officials recorded would report their files you know number one two with a hold or whatever to to the official score the person doing the official book I would be right behind that person screaming at the official 
And so they normally would have to look in my direction. I was just trying to help them out. You know, they, 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 they weren't doing things right. So I was trying to, to help them out. And uh, that, that was my strategy in, in, in the Blackham days. Uh, no, but that was, that was a lot that, uh, you know, back then, whether it was Lamar or Stetson or, or, or McNeese or Tech, uh, those losses were not good. Now, the UNO comes a little later. We'll get to UNO. But, um, but no, that was, there were great days, extremely passionate. And um, I, I don't uh, know that New Mexico State was a good one. No question. That, w- that was uh, a really good suggestion. Hello, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Footsie. Yes, sir. Footsie. 1972, there's zero doubt they cheated the Americans. Do you realize up until that point the Americans had never lost a game in the Olympic basketball tournament? Correct. But, yes. And, I, I mean, they cheated. They, they couldn't take a timeout when Doug Collins made the – when he went to shoot the second three free throw, they came running up there trying to take a timeout, but you couldn't take a timeout. And then, you know, they threw the ball in and – the game was over. I mean, the United States won. Oh no, that I remember that. I, I can remember that like, like it was yesterday. There's zero doubt. And, and one of the officials refused to sign the score book. And then another official, like one of the ones, I don't know. I think they were on the uh, appeals committee or maybe the protest committee. One of the ones said, "Well, the Americans need to learn how to lose and something else." I, I, I mean, it was just. It was just the evidence is overwhelming. Yeah, I need and, and I need to go who, back and watch a replay of that. And, and guess who didn't? Guess who didn't uh, represent his country? You want to take one guess at who didn't want to represent his country? Bill Walton, that freaking goofball. <laughs> well, I, I thought they I thought they didn't want. I thought the story. No, the story I heard was that he was always hurt, and so. Iba didn't want him to be on the team, but I, I don't know what happened there. I mean, I, again, I was but young. He was, he was protesting Vietnam. Well, that could well, be too. Yeah, that could Bill be too. Walton. I mean, what about the freaking 18, 19, 20-year-olds getting killed in Vietnam? Well, yeah. You know, and you you, you stupid idiot staying in America, not, not uh, you know, supporting your country, not 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 representing your country. Oh, no. that, that That's like, like I can't even think of an LSU loss. I, I, I. Really seriously, like when they lost to Indiana in, in the 1981 Final Four, I mean, it was just a blowout. They weren't even in the game. Now, maybe that loss in 1987 to Indiana yes. in the uh, Elite Eight, that, that could be a really, really bad loss. I mean, because LSU really was in total control of the game. And, of course, Bobby Knight, you know, just did whatever he wanted. He That's when he hit the phone on the scores table right. and all that, totally out of the coaching box, just doing what he wanted doing I mean, tim floyd stuff that, do what uh doing tim floyd stuff well I, I think it was a little more than what tim floyd did <laughs> I, 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 I think he went a little further than tim floyd <laughs> all right well i gotta take a break but feel free to call back next hour i, I got an i got an lsu one in mind that that not, it wasn't a buzzer beater or nothing but it was it was certainly um heartbreaking but i gotta take a break I appreciate it. And footsie, footsie, yeah. let me just say this. 
those medals have never been accepted. And right. in their wills, they, a lot of them have written their family members are to never accept those medals. Those are the only medals in a team sport that have never been accepted in the Olympic Games. I believe it. I believe it. Thank you. All right, put, take care. Bye-bye. We'll take a break. We'll be back on the game. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Want to remind you, go join the game clubhouse. It's free. It's simple to do. So sign up today. And if you sign up, you can win all kind of outstanding prizes like Astro tickets that we were talking about together earlier or $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse, a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House, or a $25 gift certificate for Mabel's Kitchen. But you can't win any of these great prizes unless you join the game clubhouse. So go register today. All right. So we've got a couple out of the way. Um, when we come back, I'll give you mine for LSU. Not a heartbreak. It was a it was a bad loss, but it wasn't like it was on a buzzer beater or anything. But it just it wasn't the end of an era. But it was it was a crushing loss in a very hopeful era of LSU basketball. So I'll give you mine. I'll give you my. I, May do the my, my number one for the Cajuns, and I think it's number one for a lot of Cajun fans, and we'll tell the stories about that. We'll go ahead and, and, and do that, and then we'll add more as the week goes on. So that'll do it for the first hour, another hour to follow on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers. And the Houston Astros. You can watch us on Simulcast, Stadium 32.3 or 133. On LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111. If it is college basketball week. So we are looking for your suggestions for the most heartbreaking UL basketball, LSU basketball games of all time. Um, Also, something that in a, in a, in relishing, I guess I did. I declare did we officially say it was another installment of Josh Fields' appreciation? I think because El Pedro Grande helped save the game with an outfield assist that we we need to officially make it a um, officially make it a Josh Fields' appreciation day. I I think that's I think that's fitting. Um, it was um it was an outstanding performance on his part and then of course he followed that up with a home run that made it even better so no it's um Astros have won eight in a row and you can hear the Astro they played a can the pesky Kansas City Royals I mean seriously how do you get the Kansas City Royals out 
The Astros hadn't figured out how to do it. The rest of the league's pretty good at it. Astros, you know, you play the Yankees and the Mets and the little MVPs, and, and, and teams have had trouble getting more than five hits against the Astros over the last month. Not that many teams have. And yet the Kansas City Royals can. 27th in the league in run score, but they can get hits against the Astros. It's unbelievable. But uh, but we'll see if the Astros can have a little more of a traditional win. You know, it's nice to win. All wins are nice, but nine seven. Eh, it's not. This is not really a nine to seven baseball team the way they've been pitching for the last six weeks. But against the Royals, it's got to be. I mean, um, and so we'll see if we can get back to a more like six to two, seven to two, that kind of win. Hopefully. We'll see uh, how, how that plays tonight. Again, you can hear first pitch about 7-10 right here on the game. 103-7 Lafayette, one zero four one Lake Charles. All right. The other thing before we get back to our footnote summer project that we didn't get mentioned yesterday. Baker Mayfield, over the weekend – our, our old friend Ian Rappaport reported that the Seattle Seahawks are not really that interested in Baker Mayfield. So let's say that's true. Where is this cat going to go? No one wants him. Is he really going to go back to Cleveland? Really? Is he really going to go to the Cheaters? which would be the most fitting place for him to go, to cheaters. I mean, can't stand Baker Mayfield and can't stand the cheaters, so that'd be a, that'd be a perfect match made in heaven, and that would limit him. I mean, they have the defense in the running game to carry him, which is what a quarterback of his talent needs. I mean, he needs to be carried for the most part, like he did with uh, when he was in Cleveland. But, man. I mean, I think a lot of us kind of thought he was going to Seattle. And maybe still is. Maybe the report is not accurate. Maybe they're just being coy or throwing out whatever to make get people to believe what they want him to believe. But, wow, if he doesn't go to Seattle, where is he going to go? That's funny. He can go do his little commercials. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Hello. Hey. Yes, sir. Well, before you get off the Astros, I got a question for you. What? Well, two really. After everything gets settled, Astros are going to have seven starting pitchers. Right. And I don't know what they see in Jake Odorizzi. That dude, I don't like him. I don't know what they see in him. They keep putting him out there, and he's terrible. And I want your opinion on of those seven pitchers. I guarantee you, one of them's getting traded. So which one you think it would be? I'm telling you, one of them's getting traded because they're not keeping all that. And I just wanted to know what you got to say about that. And I'm gonna listen. Thanks. Okay. Um, Alexa, we talked about it yesterday. You. I'm not a. Um, I don't look. If they trade one of them, I'm not gonna be angry or anything. Um, but I'm really not for trading. I, I think. You got to keep your starting pitching. The chances that all seven are going to be healthy for the rest of the season, probably not great. Probably not great. 
you uh I I'm all for the Astros being on a seven on a six man rotation for the rest of the year. I mean again, you 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 still have fairly young pitchers like Garcia who you don't want to overwork and then you have injury prone or old like McCullers is injury prone. So let's say McCullers comes back and gets back to where he was last year. You still don't want to you still want to rest him and be tentative with him as much as you can. And so under you know, Oda Rizzi is what he is. He's not a great pitcher, but un, but his last four starts before he got hurt were outstanding. Like his ERA before he got lit the other night was 3.13. That's better than a lot of the Astros pitchers. So it's not I I you know, if he pitches well, um, I, I just don't see Odorizzi in the bullpen. I just don't. I, I don't think he has the mentality to do that. So I, I don't. I don't see him doing that. I always thought we talked about this yesterday when Michael was on. I always thought that because he threw strikes, or Kitty would be perfect for the bullpen. But apparently, his setup and what it takes for him to get ready to pitch doesn't isn't conducive with. Being getting up real quick and being in the bullpen. So I agree, seven is a big number. And I'm certainly not going to say it's impossible that they would trade one of them. But I'm really not for it because I, I, I just I just don't think it's real. I don't think it's realistic to say that all seven of them are going to be healthy the entire second half. I, I don't think that's realistic. I think you just go with a six-man rotation. You put one of them in the bullpen, whoever that's going to be. I, I don't know who, who that would be. But I'd rather keep them in the bullpen unless it just creates all kind of problems than to trade one of them, and then you trade them, and then somebody gets hurt, and now you short a starting pitcher, or you got to go back to a five-man rotation, which you don't really want to do and protect your arms to go to the postseason. So I'm for keeping all of them. Why help someone else? Unless there unless you feel like, well, there's an outfielder that we can that we really need need. Uh, or there's a catcher that we really like. I um or a relief pitcher. You can never have too much pitching. It's kind of like cornerbacks. Like you say, well, we got too many cornerbacks. Well, that that should never be said. Especially by the Saints. But you you you, you never can have too many good cornerbacks. Now, you you can have too many good cornerbacks to to suit the egos of the cornerbacks on your team. That's true. But it seems like one of them is always getting hurt and then you're in a lurch. You always it's so it's it there's certain positions that it's great to have too much of. And pitching and cornerbacks are two of them. And uh no, I'm really not for getting rid of one of them. And now look, if Jake Odorizzi doesn't turn things around, like he had a couple rough outings early in the year, and then he started pitching really well. If he doesn't do that, then that's an easy one. You just either trade him, although you wouldn't get much for him, hardly anything for him, or you just put him in the bullpen, and whether if he's mad, so what, and, and you move on. But if he goes back to pitching like he was before he got hurt at Fenway, I mean, he's going to be in the rotation. He just will be. So we'll see how that plays out. Again, good problem to have.
Good problem to have. And remember, when you get to the bullpen and when you get to the postseason, the bullpen changes. The Astros can five four people or four three two people or five three one people. I'm talking about innings. Like you can go, I mean, and they get in the postseason, theoretically, and they've done it before, you could pitch Garcia for five and Urquidy for four. Or order Rizzi for five and, you know, Urquidy for four if you wanted to, to help your bullpen on a certain day. So everything changes in terms of how you use your pitching once you get to the postseason. And I, I, I think they need a six-man rotation the rest of the way. I mean, if you want to protect Verlander's arm, that's the best way to do it, I think. I'd rather do that than just, like, give him two or three weeks off. I don't really, I don't really want to go that route, but it, 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 it could happen. All right. Appreciate that phone call from Brent. Uh, it's No, it's a fascinating subject. We talked about it a little bit yesterday. And they might, you know, in, it always, anytime you feel like there's a surplus of talent, it somehow it always seems to just work itself out, usually through injury. Not that you want an injury, but it's just the reality of it, especially for pitchers. So we'll see how that plays out. First of all, McCullers has to come back after the All-Star break and prove that he's still McCullers. You know, he, he could get off to a rocky start. That could easily happen. The game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111. All right. I said at the end of last hour I was going to give what I think is would be my suggestion for LSU. And look, the problem with the advantage that football has is it's a lot easier. And again, I wasn't here for college football week. George was. That was when I was in in Asia. But, for instance, when LSU lost, what was that, in 1979 to USC 17-12, to uh, arguably the most talented college football team in the history of the sport, and LSU, you know, shoulda, woulda, coulda beat them, or was that 80? Whatever year that was. Um, it's a lot easier to remember that regular season game than basketball. Basketball and baseball, there's so many regular season games compared to football. It's harder 30 or 35 or 40 years later to remember this regular season loss to Kentucky that you should have won, you know, 40-something years ago. So there's some regular season games that we can certainly remember, but I'll, but in those sports where you play more games than you do in football, because in football they never play a game, um, it's you, you kind of end up focusing on the postseason. And in 1990, LSU went out and started recruiting. You know, they had the kind of Cinderella Final Four trip to Dallas in '86, and I was at. And the it, it, the set the setup was different back then. LSU was what an eleven seed, and they got to host. <laughs> it's just insanity, you know the way we think about it now. They they beat Purdue in the first game, and Gene Cady was furious. I was at that game, and then the Memphis State game. They Anthony Wilson hit the shot, and they beat Memphis State. And LSU wasn't as good as Purdue, and they weren't as good as Memphis State. But it just whatever reason they got to host that game and. I, we even went to the non-LSU games. I was uh, had a friend that stayed with him in his dorm room that was going to LSU at the time, and Marist was there. Rick Smith, who pl- played in the NBA for years, was in, in that regional. But anyway, um, 
So they had that. And then a few years later, they started all this fancy recruiting. Got Stanley Roberts and Shaq and Chris Jackson and um, Vernell Singleton, who I had seen. He played at South Natchez High School and played at least two, if not three years in the Sunkiss shootout and, and, and saw him play there. And, uh, and he, he signed with LSU and, and, and were on those teams. And I think their bumper stickers, they called it like the fantastic climb to the top. And obviously they had some highly recruited players and, and, and Shaq, you know, is going to, you know, was an all time hall of famer. And Chris Jackson was a talented offensive guard. And in 1990, they finished third in the SEC and they played a Georgia Tech team. They beat Villanova in the first round of the tournament. And then they played Georgia Tech in the second round of the tournament. Got beat 94 to 91. And, you know, there was a time where you're like, man, you got all this talent. You got these huge big men. You got this great guard. And Georgia Tech was always very guard oriented. And they played pretty good defense. And at times, really good defense. And they held Chris Jackson under 20 points in that game. And LSU just wasn't. Chris Jackson, as great as he was, was not a great defensive player. And um, I, I would put that up there as far as, I don't know, heartbreaking, disappointing uh, finish to, to a season. That 94-91 that second-round NCAA tournament loss to Georgia Tech in 1990. That's one that sticks out for me um, for, for, for LSU basketball. All right, it is time to take a timeout. We will take it and be back with more on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. And don't forget Astro getaway or giveaway number three. The Seattle Mariners will be in town Saturday, July the 30th. And you can be there too. You could win four tickets to the game, hotel accommodations, and a tour of Minute Maid Park as part of Astro Getaway 3, powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian, Houston, downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. But again, you can't do it unless you're part of the game clubhouse. So join today, register for the game clubhouse. You might win a great Astro Weekend getaway. All right, let's go to the game hotline, which, by the way, is 706 0111. Hello. Foot, how you doing? Oh, uh, I got an eight-game stri- uh, streak going. By the way, I, I got to ask you, this cat, Austin Riley, how is he so good? Oh, he's a stud, Foot. Like, oh, where did oh, y'all drafted that guy? Yeah, he's a stud, Foot. Oh, man. I mean, I remember, I remember when he first came up, uh, everybody was worried about him because he struck out a lot, and, and they used him outfield and, and a little third base. Now he's just a third baseman, and boy, can't he skid. Stud. I told you Greg Olson was good. Let me ask you this. I I, I want to know if any Mets fans still think the division's over. Well, again, I I, I it's some look, it, it, it didn't we're not even to the all star break yet. And they and they really thought and, and these are people who have fought some of them are people like 
Like, I don't know if you remember when Chris Russo said it on High Heat one day. I happened to be at home run in the middle of the day, and I turned it on, and Chris Russo was like, well, the Mets can withstand that. The, the, this division's over. And I'm like, over? I said, we're not even – that was like late May. And I'm like, late May? <laughs> it's like the guy's never been through a baseball season. It's just – now, again – just because the Braves catch him don't mean they're going to win the division, but it doesn't mean that it's over either. I mean, it's just silliness. Yeah, but what a perfect comeback for sure the last night. He pitched a great game. I got him on my fantasy team, 11 strikeouts, and they lose one nut. To the Reds. Think about to yesterday. Yesterday was a perfect game for the game, of, a great day for the game of baseball. The Pirates beat the Yankees. The lowly Reds beat the Mets and Scherzer. Uh, the A's beat the Blue Jays. Again, it's just, oh, I love when that stuff happens. Yeah, baseball is, and, and it, it, baseball, anyone can beat anyone. It's even more than football. I mean, football, the better team usually wins in football. I mean, most times. But baseball, I mean, any day, anybody can go out and beat anybody in baseball. Yes. So, for you, you loving Austin Riley? But no, I'm just a man. He just impresses me. He's not even on my fantasy team or nothing. I just, he just impresses me how good he is. Yeah. Now, for the over, I want. I never heard you really. Now that it's settled down a little bit, who do you think came out in front with the with the Olsen Freddie Freeman? Thing. Do you think Atlanta came out in front doing what they did, or or, or they should have? Oh, they're they better for the future. Season. Again, like I told you, you've got a younger guy who's going home, and so yeah, I think the Braves came out of. The, I mean, you know, it's not like the Dodgers came out, the Punks came out of it bad because Freddie Freeman's still good. But but I, for the future of the Braves, I think you're better off this way. Plus, Freeman's yeah, weird. He's a weird dude. He just is. He's strange. Is he a notch below? Is he a notch below Zach Grinky? Well, he's not in that category. But he—I'm telling you—he's weird. I—I I saw a special on him, and I don't know. I'm—I just came away with that's a weird cat. That, that Freddie Freeman. Now he can hit. Don't get me wrong. Great player. Great hitter. But um, I—I I think um, I think the Braves are better off with the way where they are right now. It certainly ain't hurting them much. Yeah, but don't you think that's that's funny that you pay somebody to to take care of your business, and all all rumors lead to if he would have told Freddie Freeman the last couple of offers the Braves had made him, he was afraid Freeman was going to take it. So the rumor is he didn't tell Freddie Freeman his last couple of offers. I mean, how strange is that? A guy that you trust and paying to take care of your business don't tell you your business. Yeah, you know, some people have denied it. Who knows what the truth is? But it's happened before. I mean, look, agents agents botch stuff. As Superman, Mark Ingram, he, you know, they he oversold what what his market was going to be, and he probably should have never left New Orleans, but he did. But but um, no, that happens. But no, you're in good so, shape. I told you Olsen was good. He's not great, but he's a really good player, and he's younger. Yeah, yeah, but for why wouldn't the agent tell him what his offer was? I mean, he's going to make money regardless if he signs with Atlanta or the Dodgers. I mean, the Dodgers, if you look at it, the Braves wanted to give him more years and a little and, and a little more money, but the Dodgers get – so he wouldn't have been – he didn't make that much more money in the, with the Dodgers that he'd have made with Atlanta. Who knows? I mean, he might have other clients. I mean, if it's even true. I mean, I you know, who knows? I, 
I can't even that 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 high finance stuff. Like uh, like like I always joke, high finance for me is whether you upsize a Happy Meal or not. All that kind of stuff. I'm I'm just I'm just that's way above my head. I can't even fathom that kind of those kind of decisions. All right, Foot. Talk to you later. Take care. Again, the game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. What I want to know is where's Mr. LSU basketball, Jules? I want to hear what Jules is all-time one or two or three most heartbreaking LSU basketball losses. Of course, Jules just gets mad. I don't know if heartbreak applies to Jules. He just gets mad. He almost relishes when his team loses. So maybe that's why he hasn't called because it's not really heartbreaking to him. So when his team loses, he actually relishes and enjoys it. That's I can't even you know process that mentality really. But but um, I'm sure he's got a few that have angered him more than than others. There's just one game and. Maybe Jules can help, but it seemed like LSU was playing Tennessee and they threw it the ball from one side of the court to the other and the ball went back and because they made that mistake that Tennessee hit the game-winning shot and I don't know, it was, it was a strange situation there. But it was, a, that was, again, that was a regular season game, so it's harder to... to um, to kind of remember those, typically we're gonna be, it's gonna be all about the postseason. Again, the game hotline is seven zero six zero one one one. All right, I heard something this morning. Every once in a while, you hear something on a report or highlight, and you're like, "What?" Um, you know, I don't play that close attention to the Colorado Rockies. I don't even – I don't like their feel. I don't even like that brand of baseball. I don't, you know, I've, I've joked before, when you play over there, it's not even baseball. I don't know what that is. But anyway, Chris Bryant hit his first home run as the Colorado Rocky yesterday. I was like, what? He, doesn't, he, he, has, he didn't hit any home runs. Cat, it's July. Now, I know he's been injured. Some, but still, he has he had zero home runs as a member of the Rockies until yesterday. Chris Bryant, wow, wow. Um, that was kind of shocking to hear. It's been um, you know, there's been a a lot of historic things that have happened in Major League Baseball. And, you know, and the Astros have been part of some of them that have happened in, in, in Major League Baseball. And then you got, you know, teams like the Pirates who have these young players, the Orioles who have these young players, and they're not good enough yet. The problem with those teams is they're not good enough on the road typically. They 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 can they can play well at home at times and get some great victories, like yesterday. I mean, that might be the highlight game of the season for the Pittsburgh Pirates. They had an ex-Pirate pitcher, Jamison Tyon, who they traded to the Yankees and who's having a really good season. They lit him up and. Um, 
you know, Bill Mazeroski threw out the first pitch. So they're kind of reliving the 1960 World Series that they won against the Yankees in a series where every time the Yankees won, they won like 14 to 2. And every game the Pirates won, they won by like one run. I mean, back then we should have figured out you don't ever want to score double-figure runs. All you're doing is asking for trouble. But um, people couldn't figure that out. Uh, some people still can't figure that out. But um, And so, I mean, and, you know, Cruz got RBI. They're all excited about O'Neill Cruz, who's named after Paul O'Neill. You know how that story goes, the, the ex-Yankee. Um. And so it's just, uh, I mean, I don't know. It was a sellout. Of course, there's a lot of Yankee fans that went to Pittsburgh. Uh, hate that. You know, I've hated the times that going to, um, you know, whether it's Minute Maid Park or the Asherdome, and you got all these fans from bandwagon fans from these, you know, whether it's the Cubs because of WGN or or the Braves because of TBS or the Yankees because they're the Yankees or the Red Sox because every there you know all these people jump on the Red Sox, it's um it it it, it really aggravate and it makes winning those games really fun. So the Pirate fan who was going through a lot of lean years yesterday was quite a day for them. So congratulations to the Pirate fans, and I included our, our friend Mr. Toole, who was in from Evangeline Downs a couple of weeks ago. We learned he was a Pirates fan, so I'm sure he enjoyed that for sure. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, Kevin. Howdy, this sir. Mr. Tom. Hey. <laughs> I just happened to catch you talking about the Pirates. You realize they swept the Dodgers earlier this year in Dodger Stadium. Isn't that unbelievable? Oh, yeah. That was like, oh, what the – but, but my pirate story is uh, when I was a junior or senior in high school, we skipped to watch that seventh game of the World Series when Mazeroski walked it. Oh, you skipped school. Oh, yeah, skipped school. Oh, a bunch of us. Oh, yeah, that, that was a good move on your part. Oh, that was – I'll tell you what, I, I, we had to because it was 3-3 and, you know, they had a chance to beat the Yankees. They hated Yankees. So. Yes, that's wonderful. Great. See, you, you remember that. You had no chance of remembering what you would have possibly learned that day in 1960. <laughs> Never learned anything yeah. at school. <laughs> everything, everything was trial and error. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just want to remind people that Saratoga opens next Thursday the 14th. Wow. Boy, I bet you're ready. Oh, I'm hot. I'm fired up, man. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm also fired up with the Astros. I'm really impressed with this team. Oh, it it's uh, you know, it's got a chance to be the best team they ever had, but again, they've got a they've got, you know, you got to be healthy and you just yeah, so many things can happen. Has to work. Yeah. We know that. If we can get McCullers back and retire Odorisi to whatever he could do best and you know, the other you know, guy who's a big key is is Jake Myers. Like, he's had some nice yeah. moments. And one, he's, if, he, if he really can play well and stay yeah. healthy, he can, get, he can be an answer in center field most days. He also yeah. can bring somewhat of a threat to the bottom of the order because, you know, at times the bottom of the order can just be a, really? an out, you know, yeah, just really out, difficult. out, out. Yeah. And so 
it's very important that he continue to play well, and he's shown some really good signs. And what I really like about him is he's hitting the ball to right center. I, I hate you yeah. know dead pull hitters drive me crazy sometimes, but he's a guy who's got a little speed, and he's hitting the ball with power to right center. I love that. I didn't know whether we'd be able to withstand Brantley being out for a you know fifteen to sixteen games, but apparently we can. You know, apparently that's a, a good enough. Uh, uh, center fielder, and and, and, uh, and then you got El Pedro Grande who can throw oh, people out from the big dog. Oh uh, yeah, well, he hit one last night that have been you know that have been an open stadium that would have still been going. <laughs> fun, fun, fun. That guy, I tell you, if he hits the ball, it's going to go somewhere. <laughs> he he is again, and he's a better baseball player than some people were giving him credit for. He runs Ooh. the bases better than I thought he would. And yeah. then he showed that he's got a little bit of an arm last night. Well, last night, that throw is as good as any I've ever seen. I mean, he put that on the dime last night. But, boy, when you're playing well, you know how it is in baseball. When you're playing well, you can you can do almost anything. All right, before I let you go, well, I got a question. Yeah. Said someone sure. wants to say, did you see Gulfport run on Sunday at Churchill oh, Downs? Oh, that was a monstrous race. And, in fact, get ready for the Breeders' Cup classic this year it's going to be the best we've ever seen there's so many good handicap horses and so many good three-year-olds gonna be a great breeders cup well we'll have to get you on to help us preview it when is the breeders cup uh the fourth and fifth of november all right well remind me and we'll get you on i'll remind you all right all right take care thank you for checking in mr tom all right we'll take a time out and come back on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. July 6, 1989. Saints president and general manager Jim Finks, the only candidate, falls just short of being elected to replace Pete Rozelle as NFL commissioner. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Want to remind you, if you would like to win an Apple Watch, it's not real complicated. All you have to do is join our brand new text club. Simply text GAME, G-A-M-E, to 337-288-8100. Text GAME to 288-8100. You would be eligible to win an Apple Watch. Plus, it also makes you eligible for all kind of other prizes, including Astro tickets. It's the Game Text Club. Find out more at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com today. All right, Jerry called yesterday, and we had quite an extensive conversation about what in the world are the Saints going to do at the running back position. Uh, another name that has kind of arisen as a possibility. Again, it's just speculation. Um, but that we haven't mentioned yet on this show is Kenyon Drake. 
First of all, I love that name. It's a great name, Kenyon Drake. Um, he at times has had flashes. He's a guy who's carried the workload, not in large stretches, but at times, you know, he might be perfect. Now, they would have to trade with the Raiders. The Raiders, some people think, kind of, you know, we'll see how it works out injury-wise and camp and all, has, could potentially have a surplus at running back. They drafted one, and then they have Jacobs, uh, who at times has done well and at other times has been injured. Um, I don't know what it would take, but it to trade for him, I don't know. You probably could get him for like, I don't know, four fifth round pick. I, I would, you know, it's not like he's Adrian Peterson in his prime or anything. But it's just an interesting name. I, I I think he could be a perfect solution because I don't know that Drake is a guy that you would want to start for you for 16 or 17 games and expect him to lead, you know, be one of the league's leading rushers or anything. But could I see him having a good stretch for a month? Absolutely. He's done it before. He has shown flashes of being really good. He can catch the ball and he can run the ball. There's 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 something to like about that. I when I when I heard that notion, I'm like, yeah, we'll see. I don't know how negotiations would go. But they would be trading him to another league. Uh, I mean to the other conference, I should say. It's not baseball. But and so you might be more willing to trade outside the conference than inside the conference. Um and again, I, I think he kind of fits to what I want. You, you, you want someone who's kind of done it before, but that is also kind of used to being a, a part-time player. You, you know, you don't want to. Some so many people are so ready to just put the fate of the team on a rookie's shoulders. I just, I think it's I think it's possible that. Abram Smith is the answer to the question. It is possible. I just think there's too much at stake here. The, 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 the ceiling is too high. The potential to be really, really good is too high to say we're just gonna we're just gonna hope that this undrafted rookie is the answer. He might be. He's very intriguing. Why he wasn't drafted, I still don't totally get. But, you know, I guess there's plenty of people still trying to figure out why Marcus Coaston went in the seventh round. I mean, why did that happen? You know, why did Tom Brady go in the sixth round? The second pick of the sixth round. You know, why did that happen? There's um, there's a, a lot, you know, it's hard to explain why some things happen in the draft sometimes. But um, I, I hope he's the answer. But Kenyon Drake's an interesting one. And it certainly raised my eyebrows, and I was like, eh, if that happened, I might have trouble sleeping at night. Let's just put it that way. That might that night, I might have trouble sleeping because I would I would I would get me pretty pumped up. But again, it would need to be a trade, and we'll see if, if, if that could happen. You know, another one that I've heard that we haven't mentioned is for the cheaters, Wilson. 
Wilson was the guy who, you know, the cheaters have been, they, they, they kind of have a running system. I actually love the way they play football. Can't stand them, but I love the way they play football. Um, under this current era. And Wilson was a guy who, before Mitchell kind of took over, you know, he's had some injury issues is the problem. He had a stretch there where he was their leading rusher. And so, again, I don't – his injury history really kind of worries me. I don't think I'd want him. I, I really don't want him. But he's another name that theoretically could be a possibility. So, again, there are a lot of options. I know, you know, I made a run at Sonny Michelle. That didn't happen. Um, you know, David Johnson they had in, Darrell Williams. We talked about all these guys. There are still other options out there. It's not like, oh, they, they're down to one option and it's not going to be a good. There's plenty of options. It's just is which one is going to happen if any of them are going to happen. Or, or are we going to just sit around and see if this undrafted free agent rookie is the solution to the issue? Or... Is or are they going to push the suspension back and he's not even going to get suspended this year? So who knows? Look, we've had so much bad news happen off the field that impacted the Saints' performance on the field over the last year. The unknown is just really unsettling right now. It just is. I mean, the anxiety associated with the unknown right now after everything the Saints have been through the last couple of years is just, you know, it's a little too much for people like me. So um, well, I would like to cover as many bases as possible. And remember, tomorrow, plan on just uh, talking Saints football with our, our friend Lou Johnson and see what he thinks about all of this um, from theadvocateandnola.com. So look forward to, to catching up with Luke a couple weeks before camp and see where he is on all of that. So, no, it's fascinating. It's, it's good to have options. It's real good to have options. And so um, just wanted to throw out those few names. And, and um, you know, any one of those guys, I'm, I'm willing to, to give it a run, willing to do it. And, look, it's also possible that Superman is going to be the option. I just – he's always hurt. He's old. I mean, he I, – I, you know, you love his presence on the team. Uh, he actually did better last year than I thought he was going to do. But can you really think, can you really say, well, I feel pretty good like Superman can be the, the option. He needs to be part of a committee that can be part of the solution. But he can't be the guy. He cannot be your leading rusher over a month. I, I, don't, I don't trust him to even be healthy for that long to do that. Really, I don't. So I... I mean, I guess some people might be thinking that. I don't I don't want that to be the case either. I want it I want him to be part of the committee. I want him to be the leader that he is on this team and the buddy to um Z twenty eight. Boy, he's got some nicknames now. Las Vegas, Z twenty eight, forty one. There's all kind of ways to, to, to talk about him. It's amazing. He just better produce when he's on the field after this suspension. 
All right, we'll take a timeout, come back, finish out today's show next on The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Want to remind you, if you have not joined The Game Clubhouse, what are you waiting for? It's free. It's simple. Sign up today, and it puts you, if you do register at the Game Clubhouse, puts you in position to win all kind of great prizes from Astro tickets to $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester Steakhouse to a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House or $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. All of these great prizes just be just by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse. So register today at 1037thegame or 1041thegame.com. Scheduled to pitch tonight for the Astros is Christian Javier. It wasn't so long ago that I was kind of worried about Christian Javier. I didn't think his command was very good. He had even some of the outings that ended up looking good in the box score. Really, I didn't think he had real good command. Well, he's coming off quite possibly, arguably, the best back-to-back pitching performances in the history of baseball. Like, I'm not saying that as a fact. I'm saying it's possible. No one had ever struck out the amount of batters that he did and given up as few hits at the same time as Christian Javier has in his last two starts. It's like, what, gave up two hits and struck out 27 (laughs) combined in in back-to-back starts. So, again, arguably, it's the best back – it was the best back-to-back starts in the history of baseball, that's uh, 150-something years. So how is he going to pitch tonight? Who knows? He's playing against the Royals who just, you know, their eyes, their their hitters' eyes just, be, you know, get humongous when they, they just love facing the Astros. Just base hit, base hit, base hit. It's unbelievable how many hits. But – um. So it'll be interesting to see if Javier can continue that incredible run. Now, what makes him successful is the high fastball. He he just he he's great at it, and that's you know he he gets you out on a lot of high fastballs. So I think he kind of matches up with the Royals better than than Garcia does. Um, you know, he does a lot of high fastballs and Verlander who's scheduled to pitch tomorrow afternoon, you know, lives and dies, not totally, but a big part of their, both of their success is getting people out on high fastballs. So, um, we'll see how the Royals handle that today. Cause that could be somewhat of an indication unless they make a big adjustment, how they'll handle Verlander tomorrow. But it's it's it is a pretty good feeling, even though the Royals, you know, do a great job of hitting the Astros compared to everybody else they face. Um, to have to be two and zero in a series, and then you've got Javier today, who's on fire, and Verlander tomorrow, who's on fire. So we'll see if they can score enough runs to make all of that work out. Appreciate. Uh, the phone calls, appreciate William Weathers coming on today, and we'll, ha- we'll make some more progress. Got a lot of progress to make on our Footnote Summer Project over the next two days, but I'll have fun. We'll have fun doing it. I will for sure. All right, that'll do it. Y'all have a nice day.